Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. This is something that would certainly qualify as our first emergency episode of the show in a while as unexpectedly, pretty much almost everyone, number one, Ash Barty has announced her retirement from the sport of tennis at just 25 years old, just two months after winning the Australian Open, making history as the first Australian singles champ of the Australian Open in decades, still ranked number one in the world, and calling it calling it quits at age 25. To make sense of this and to try to process our reactions to it, I'm joined by NCR's intrepid Middle East and North Africa correspondent, Reem Abulail. Reem, thank you for being on here on uh, on short notice. Uh, thank you for having me. I, I think I need to unpack this anyway, so this is kind of like going to be like a quick therapy session, I think. Yeah. No, so, so here's what happened. So I went out to dinner with Jimmy, photographer Jimmy. We love Jimmy. And we're, we just got to Miami and we went to an Italian restaurant. It was nice. We're actually staying at separate Airbnbs. We're pretty near each other, uh, near the tournament. And so I was driving him back to his place first and I was going to head home. And he gets a text from someone working at WTACOM saying, check Instagram. Have you seen? And so he's like scrolling through Instagram and doesn't see what's happened. And, and then finally, I see a tweet that says, Ash Barty has retired. And so we like pull over <laughs> to the gas station to like watch the video on Instagram and like process our immediate reactions and thoughts. But yeah, this is a, this just, this is a big shock, right? Remember that should go without saying, but we should say it. This is a, this is a big shock. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was about to sleep. I, I'm in Abu Dhabi and it's 6am here and I was about to sleep because obviously I've been sleeping like on US timings and stuff for Indian walls and things like that anyway, but I was about to go to sleep. And then just, I never do this. It's like, I decided to check my email one last time before I close my eyes. And I always regret it <laughs> this time. <laughs> literally, I'm like, who's emailing me at six in the morning? And then literally, like my heart, st- I was like, what is happening? And I'm like, is it April? the first thing in my mind? I was like, is it April 1st? And I'm like, no, it's still March. And then I was like, <laughs> and then I texted you and, and the gang. And then... <laughs> I just watched the video like three times in a row, her Instagram video. Um, obviously, the way when she the way she explains it, like she's so clear in her mind why she's doing this, but I can't wrap my head around it. I don't. I'm, yeah. I mean, she's decisive, if not detailed, I think is maybe how I would describe the video. Like, it's pretty clear. And as Ash says in the video, she's done this before. She's walked away from the sport of tennis before. And... As Casey Delacqua, who does sort of this interview format for this video that Ash posted on her Instagram, uh, as Casey Delacqua says, like, you, you know, have made choices that have been right for you. You've known to trust yourself and back yourself on these things. And it's not something she came to lightly. Um, let's play some clips, actually, from the, from the video from Ash Barty here. A couple key key phrases from her. I just couldn't think. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. It's just my way. And this is perfect for me. To share it with you, to talk to you about it, um, with my team, my loved ones, that I'll be retiring from tennis. And it's the first time I've actually said it out loud. And um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, but I'm so happy and I'm so ready. And I just know at the moment in my heart for me as a person, this is right. And um, I know I've, I've done this before, Um, but in a very different feeling. And I'm so grateful to everything that tennis has given me. It's given me all of my dreams plus more. But I know that the time is right now for for me to step away and chase other dreams 
um, and yeah, and to, to put the rackets down. Yeah, it's um, something I've been thinking about for a long time and I've had a lot of incredible moments in my career that have been pivotal moments and Wimbledon last year changed a lot for me as a person uh, and for me as an athlete when you work so hard your whole life for one goal um, and I've been able to share that with so many incredible people um, but to be able to, to win Wimbledon which was my dream, my, the one true dream that I wanted in tennis, um, that really changed my perspective and I just had a, I just had that gut feeling after after Wimbledon, um, and had spoken to my team quite a lot about it, and there was just a little part of me that wasn't quite satisfied, wasn't quite fulfilled, and then came the challenge of of the Australian Open, and I think that for me just feels like the most perfect way, my perfect way, to to celebrate what an amazing journey my tennis career has been, as a person. This is this is what I want. Um, this is, I, want to, I want to chase after some other dreams that, that I've always wanted to do and always have that really healthy balance, but um, I'm really, really excited. There was a perspective shift in me in this second phase of my career that my happiness wasn't dependent on the results. Um, and success for me is, is knowing that I've given absolutely every, everything I can. Um, I'm fulfilled, I'm happy, and I know how much work it takes to to bring the best out of yourself and I've said it to my team um, multiple times it's just I don't have that in me anymore I don't have the the physical drive the emotional um, want and and kind of everything it takes to to challenge yourself at the very top of the level anymore and I think I just know that I'm absolutely I, I, I am spent um, I just know physically I have nothing more to give and that for me is is success. I've given absolutely everything I can um, to, to this beautiful sport of tennis and I'm really happy with that and for me that that is my success and I, I know that people may not understand it and that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that um, because I know that for me um, Ash Barty, the person, has so many dreams that she wants to chase after um, that don't necessarily involve travelling the world, being away from my family, being away from my home, which is where I've always wanted to be. It's where I've grown up. And I'll, I'll never, ever, ever stop loving tennis. Um, it'll always be a massive part of my life. Um, but now I think it's important that I get to enjoy um, the next phase of my life as, as Ash Barty the person, not, not Ash Barty the athlete. Um, having known you for so long, one thing I know is that you make decisions that are right for you and they've always worked out and you've done it your way and I think that's really brave. I think that's really credible and um, so thank you for everything that you've done for our sport. Thank you for giving us you, Ash Barty. Enjoy retirement. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, it was, it was, it was hard but it's, it's right and I, and I know that brought me lots of comfort knowing that this is, this is right for me. So yeah, Reem, she talks about Wimbledon as being really this crowning achievement. And she did talk about it at the time, too. That was like her big goal in the sport. But usually people accomplish a goal and then want more of it or something. And then and then she did have the secondary goal of, of winning the Australian Open, uh, which she did, or was maybe sort of a cherry on top of, of her career as she saw it in some ways. But to to abruptly stop when she was, you know, a dominant number one. I mean, she won that Australian Open so easy. There have been players who've sort of gone out on top before, but I don't think anybody's ever really retired in as dominant a moment as Ash Barty leaves 
with the 2022 Australian summer she had. I think what stood out to me was when she said that she she knows that she draws happiness from giving her all, mm-hmm. not from the results. And that's mm-hmm. how she has, that's how she rates success. That's what she would be successful if she's giving her all. And she obviously, she said, I'm totally spent. So she's obviously given everything possible to be that dominant don't forget let's not forget that it hasn't been easy to dominate in women's tennis and Mm -hmm. ash kind of brought that back you know she brought that back and and the way she plays maybe sometimes makes it look easy because she has so many different things that are working for her and i guess we underestimated how much it was how much of a toll it was taking on her to be that competitive all the time. I mean, I was just reading some of the bio stuff and the WTA WTA email that was sent. And since she came back in 2016, no one has won more singles and doubles titles in that time frame. Um, And she's had like a 77% uh, winning rates and matches in that period as well and stuff like and and apparently only serena has a better percentage i was trying to make sense of you know like just how much this how dominant she has been and actually with the numbers she has been uh and i guess it's it's just taken too much out of her and she and i can understand if she can't do it if she can't put in the work and she's tasted what it's like to be number one she stated what she's she's tasted dominant Mm-hmm. She's she doesn't want to slum it. She doesn't. She won't be content with being number five or number six. I don't know. Yeah, she, no. I don't know. Let, or she would be just, content if that was her best, but it's not her best, and she knows. You I know? mean, let me just sort of make a few things. Or my sort of things I quickly said as I was sort of processing this in this gas station uh, with Jimmy was she doesn't owe anyone anything, right? Like if she thinks Absolutely. that she's done for whatever reason, she has for feeling like she's done. That is solely her choice to make, as it is for every player in their career. Uh, whether you know mm-hmm. it's someone, you know, let's say like an opposite example, let's say like Venus Williams, you know, who's who's in her forties now, but might still want to keep playing. We don't know. Like that's up to her. That's on Venus to choose or mm-hmm. not choose. Or someone like Barty, who people think you know it's too soon on the opposite end of the spectrum potentially. Like, oh, you're still number one. You still could have won much more. Why not go and try to win the U.S. Open, you know, and get the career slam? Like, if those aren't things that were worth it to her. Only she can decide that. And I think she was pretty clear in this moment. And who knows, you know, what the future holds for her necessarily. But in this moment, she was pretty clear that she was done. And I respect that decision fully. She doesn't owe it to to tennis fans or Australia or the WTA or whatever. If she wants to check out, she checks out. That's that's her choice. That's part of the independent contractor nature of the sport in a good way. You know, you're not beholden to it if you, if you want to leave. And maybe there are some, you know, contractual things and other stuff she is leaving the table by walking away and certainly lots of prize money. I mean, gosh knows she could have won lots more matches and many more millions in prize money had she stayed on the tour. Uh, but I, I will say, you know, I did, we did talk about this actually briefly in the last episode of me and David, when we mentioned Barty pulling out of Indian Wells in Miami and sort of where it set up Svantec to potentially challenge her for number one uh, in, the, in the coming months. Because uh, Barty does have points coming off in Miami and won Stuttgart and made final of Madrid and things like that. Barty's statement didn't quite add up or didn't didn't quite ring totally correct, I guess, her statement of why she was pulling out. 
saying that she hadn't physically recovered from the Australian Open. Yeah. Because, because the Australian Open was so – she won it so breezily. I mean, she didn't drop a set. She didn't have any obvious or any clear injury issues. We, we sort of, I think, interpreted it as maybe she just hadn't gotten back, you know, in the gym and, and it just hadn't been re, you know, recalibrating or wasn't ready to sort of travel and want to cut down on her travel. We were sort of reading things into that. And, and maybe that was, and so we already, that was sort of a sign that something was up. And there were sort of, we did have conversations, a couple people at NULs I had was in conversations with sort of speculating what might be going on with Barty. And so not to say there was no, you know, tea leave reading, because that's not true, but certainly I think the abruptness of this retirement on the eve of the Miami tournament that she was defending so soon after winning the Australian Open at 10 o'clock at night here, <laughs> early, even er, middle of the night for Europe and, uh, you know, very, very early morning or late night, whatever you want to call it, where you are, Reem. Yeah, it, it's still just jarring. It'll take some some processing. And I will remember certainly where I was at this gas station with Jimmy uh, when she retired. But but, but I, I, I know, I, I believe what, what Casey told her, you know, that she's making these choices for herself and that... Um, She's doing right by herself, and and this is what's best for her. And and Ash has been a pioneer and a role model in a lot of ways in terms of exactly. really being able to mix in self care or self preservation with being an elite athlete in this incredibly draining and demanding sport. Like she has really, that's honestly I think going to be her biggest legacy in a lot of ways. Um, is doing things her way and on her schedule when she wanted to, and that there's a lot to take from that for a lot of people. I think that's really um, pretty admirable, even if it is in the moment jarring for an outsider. Yeah. I mean, she, she that's something she does across the board, like being herself in every single way and, and kind of working, working on this grueling tour and figuring out a way to make it work for herself. So like, even with the pandemic, she, she decided she wasn't going to travel in 2020 from March onwards, and then she came back and started winning immediately. She knows how she she figured out a way for herself to always like she's so in tune with what she wants and what her body needs, what her mind needs, what every, and she's so uh, clear in 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 her decisions with these things. So, and when she decided to be on the road last year, it was brutal, right? Like from March till what was it September? Yeah, till US right? Open, was, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when, when she decided to do that, she also knew what she was getting into. So when she was asked about it, she was so satisfied with her decision. She she never complained. She every time I asked her about it, I'd be like, is, are you, is there burnout? Like, you've been on the road now for so long. How's it been? She'd be like, no, I knew what I was getting into and my team's been helping me and it's all good. And so either way, like whether she decides to take a break or whether she decided to be on the road for so long, she always thought it, it was very well thought out. And I respect I respect her a ton, to be honest. I respect her a ton for this decision, um, for for and for the way even the way she says it, she's like, listen, I'm I'm doing this for Ash Barty, for myself, for me. I have other things I want to do. And she's always come off as someone where tennis is not her entire life, I feel. Mm -hmm. Like, she's always, in general, come off as someone who's, like, life outside of tennis has always been more important, you know? And that's a healthy way of approaching the sport. And she's very into family. I mean, we'll remember 2020, Australian Open, where she lost in the semis to Canada and brought a baby onto the podium at the press conference, which is 
weirdly controversial at the time. You know, she talks about her family. She wants to be at home. This is a big thing for a lot of the Australians. You know, this pandemic time especially has been tough. It's been isolating for them to – the reason she went on that long sojourn was because she couldn't, you know, go back to Australia without quarantining. And and we saw what happened with, you know, Darren Cahill during exactly, Indian yeah. Wells. Like, this has been a tough time for Australians who are trying to be in this global sport for sure. And, and I think that's important context to have this in. And, yeah, if she is, it wants to do things that are more family-oriented or what exactly, uh, whatever she wants to do, she's that makes sense. And she's already been doing parts of it. You know, she already skipped Indian Wells and the Year-End Championships last year in the fall, and mm-hmm. uh, which she could have certainly done well at and played. Uh, but she wanted to get back home. And, and yeah, and she has done enough. Like, And I, I was thinking, one of the things I mentioned was in the – in the press, co- sorry, in the press conference, in the gas station with Jimmy, was that I felt like a press conference. Was that you know maybe she looks maybe in her mind. I don't know if she subconsciously or consciously, or whatever. Look at someone like I'm not saying Serena said anything wrong, but look at someone like Serena who has been burdened in some ways by her relentless ambition in these last few years. You know who's been striving for more and more and more and more. And wasn't satisfied, and it makes it tough. You know, she will. She can see how tough that is for even a player of of Serena's caliber to have goals that they're not reaching and not be satisfied. And so, if Ash is at a place where she does feel satisfied, you know, take it. You know, that's a great place. You know, to use casino terms, to cash out, to say, I I'm happy with what I have here. I'm really happy with what I have here. It's enough. I'm content. I'm. Um, and it's hard staying here and, you know, and there's risks and, and strains to staying and fighting on. It's enough. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Thanks for having me. You know, and I, I think there's, I think that's, again, like the kind of peace that she has achieved through this is, uh, is admirable and, and, and rare. Um, if again, still, you know, what I think Ash, Andy Murray, I don't know if you saw his tweet just now, um, he says, no, he said, he, I was rewatching the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got a notification for his tweet. It says, he tweeted, happy for Ash Barty, gutted for tennis. What a player. Concise king, Andy <laughs> Murray. No, I mean, that's pretty much yeah. that. I think people will be, you know, content for her. That's the thing. Know. Well, if, if I mean, for her, just responding to what you said, I don't think Ash is looking at Serena or anybody else in terms of she's always been like so focused on her own way and things like that. I don't. Th- yeah, I don't mean directly so much for that, but yeah. Like she said, she she had big dreams, she had big goals. She, honestly, she achieved almost everything, like dominant number one, like year in championships, three of the four slams. Her coach said in Australia she would never win the U.S. Open with these balls. She probably believes him, so she's like, I'm not winning that fourth one. And she doesn't have like Olympic medals, right? She doesn't have Olympic uh, medals. No, but that's, oh, sure, she that's has, pretty she much bronze it. and mixed. Yeah, yeah. She had that Djokovic walkover. Oh, ah, okay. Know. So yeah, that's true. So so she 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 probably has everything she ever wanted. She achieved it by the age of twenty five, while also skipping out on two years of action, or almost three if you count the the pandemic year. And yeah. With like, if she's someone who says I don't measure success by results, then she then for her she she's done. She's happy. She's satisfied. She's like, you know what I mean. But uh, but yeah, speaking of what Andy Murray said, I I'm gutted because 
the effect she had on the other players, every single press conference I'm in always has an Ash Barty mention. They all admire her so much. They all want to reach her level. And I love that she set that standard where the players are like, I really want to compete against Ash in this, or I learned this from Ash, or I saw this from Ash. Everybody mentions her. Top players, not top players, everybody. And I'm sure there's just going to be this gaping hole all of a sudden because they were all like, we're trying to reach her. Like she's there and we're trying to chase her. And most recently, Shviantek said that the other day. And now suddenly Shviantek is going to be world number one. Yeah, well, to see, I don't know if Barty is officially requesting for herself to be removed from the rankings. That's something a player can choose to do or not do. I- yeah, sometimes they keep it till the end of the year so that uh, there's bonuses and things like that with sponsors. Or sponsors want that so that the player is still number one in the rankings. It's yeah, like a, it's a thing. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, no I don't know scenario, what Barty's so. going to do on that on that front. It's gone different ways. I know, for example, Justine Ennen when she retired pretty abruptly in 2008 for her first retirement, she pulled herself from the rankings, and so Maria Sharapova, I believe, moved to number one in the rankings uh, pretty suddenly. And Justine had a big lead in the rankings uh, up until then. And I want to say that Andy Roddick, when he retired, stayed in the rankings and like stayed really high in the rankings, weirdly, for like a while. Like he didn't like he was sort of this like zombie in the rankings who stayed yeah. who stayed. I, know, like, I remember Flavia Panetta was yeah, who stayed like top 30 Panetta for like a long time. Forever. Yeah, um, which makes sense if you, yeah. have a, you know, rack up big points right at the end of your career like Panetta did. So. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't know what she's going to do on that front. But yeah, what? <sighs> You know, I think that actually, in some ways, in terms of where it leaves the tour, um, to, to look at it that way briefly, like, I think actually, Iga Sviantek, this is obviously going to be a big sort of woe for her, because she just got to number two, which was already a big breakthrough. But I think it's a very different yeah. moment for Sviantek to get it as number two, than it would have been for, say, Sabalenka, who had been number two for quite a while. Because mm. Sviantek has won a Grand yeah. Slam. She just won India Well. She's won a couple other 1000s in Doha and in Rome. You know, she's playing really well. Um, she's been sort of stepping up slowly and steadily and has sort of proven herself really nicely. And I was we were already I was already talking, you know, after she won Indian Wells about how she was number two and, you know, was a credible number one. And it's tough to judge her versus e- versus Ash because Ash wasn't playing, you know, full time and missed a bunch of big tournaments. Um, but that Iga was, was right there and just made all showing up in semis. You know, like Iga, if Iga is number one on... When the, when the rankings update, uh, which will be in a couple of weeks because they don't update during these two-week tournaments in Miami. Um, if Iga's number one, I think she, it, it's something that doesn't feel like it comes with a, a real asterisk. It will be a pretty low point total, assuming she doesn't win Miami or something. It will be a pretty low point total for number one. But Iga's proven her, her, her talent, her consistency. I mean, she's made second week of every Grand Slam since she won the French Open, which is crazy. Yeah, definitely. No, that's not, of course, I agree 100% on that. I just think in their minds, the players themselves, the, it, when I say like there's going to be a gaping hole, I don't, I, I don't mean just for fans or whatever. I think the players who have been talking about her the whole time and how they want to beat her and even Paula Badosa, when she was talking about some of her, like a turning, like key matches, a turning point for her last year, she said when she beat Ash. So like, it's it every single one of them mentions her as when they talk about like what was significant for them or what who they want to be what they want to do and all of a sudden she's not going to be there it's i don't know i i 
I can't imagine what the locker room would be like <laughs> in Miami at the moment, like tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting media day. <laughs> um, a bunch of players scheduled to do their sort of roundtable or whatever the pre-tournament press is going to be tomorrow, um, including Daniel Collins, who was her last opponent, um, is going to be doing press, uh, who's in this tournament now in Miami. Oh, she's coming She's, she's in the draw. Good. She's she's set to play, mm-hmm. so hopefully she's feeling better and yeah, ready to play, or at least ready to talk about Ash Barty, because... Yeah, it's just an interesting moment for what it sort of means for, again, to the extent that people actually are following Barty's lead, right? And we do have this case right now in the sport where we have another star player in Bianca Andreescu who is on a break from the sport. You know, we have people like Naomi Osaka who's gone, who who stepped away from the sport and then came back when she felt like she was ready. You know, Ash is, not that all people necessarily directly cited Ash in, in making that choice, but there is, you know, people always try to learn from the top in tennis. They always look at what number one is doing, what the sort of greats are doing. And what, what, what Ash has done is, is, yeah, really remarkable. And I feel like in this sort of, of climate right now with the conversations that are happening about mental health and, and work and things like that, um, I think, yeah, I think Ash could be a really powerful moment that could, could reverberate quite a bit. Who knows how pe- the individuals will process it? But I can see it having definite um, ramifications or or influences uh, on on people and just how they think about their careers and how they how they control them. That's the one thing about Ash, especially that she does on court and she did in the press room. She always, in the second part of her career, at the very least, was always really good at being the one in control. She had a very yeah. specific way. You of- could never. You could never. Yeah, you could never corner her into saying something she doesn't want mm-hmm. to she, she so she was shutting down those Djokovic, Djokovic <laughs> questions in Australia yep. like an absolute pro yep <laughs> like yeah I'm not talking about that thank you very much <laughs> um yeah yeah you're right she it, I definitely think it's it's thought-provoking mm-hmm. I definitely think a lot of players are gonna think because that's that was her effect when she had her break like when she had her break and came back a lot of conversation in other press conferences was about that like look at what ash did some of them said it out loud some of them didn't but like definitely i think it's thought-provoking and i think yeah it will be interesting to see how players of all different ages look at their careers because again she's 25 yeah that's board level kind of you know quitting oh completely yeah i don't want to say quitting because she's not quitting but like yeah stopping i mean yeah just hanging it up and I don't know. It's, you know, tennis obviously is famous for retirements that lead to comebacks. Who knows if we've seen the last of Ash Barty on court or not. But I I don't know. Something about this one, she did feel decisive, you know? Like, and maybe, may, yeah, maybe something. It, maybe, it and, sounds very fine. And maybe her life will change in a way to where she finds a reason to come back, right? But I think at this point, it would need to be a new reason, not. Um, anything about sort of the obvious but what about the US Open but what about winning more slams that sort of stuff that I don't think is it mm. I think it, it maybe some some motivation will come from somewhere but for right now I think she's she's set and yeah like Andy Murray said it, it it sucks for for tennis because my gosh like she was so fun to watch and a real tennis purist's favorite everything she could do on the court and and really going out leaving people wanting more <laughs> with, with how she played in Australia and just 
looking so untouchable at that tournament. Would have loved to see her play more matches against Sviantec, against an inform Osaka. Mm. You know, those are rivalries that really didn't Oh my get, god, yes. I'm just that didn't really I'm get to take a flight. We don't have another. Yeah. I mean they those two played, yeah. I think, it's, once at WTA level in their careers in Beijing. In in Beijing, exactly. And I remember after that tournament, because there was also Naomi Bianca, mm-hmm. right? In the semis, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. or quarters or something. And I remember that after those two matches i was like i want to see so many more of these (laughs) and we just never did no well let's save the memories we have do you have a favorite sort of ash barty moment or memory uh to wrap up like one one thing i will say i mean i my my, i'll do it make it personal bless you know nyla g myers my editor at the time for the new york times who was totally cool with me writing going to ash barty's cricket stadium and writing about her then when she was away from the sport <laughs> and I interviewed her when she was in her, her Brisbane heat uniform. It was during one of the men's games actually in the, in the big bash league. And she was up in the press box chatting with me. And, and at that point she had not totally decided uh, that she was kind of clearly having a bit of a hankering. She was, she said she was going to go see Casey Delacqua and, and hit for a bit later, later that summer of uh, gosh, what year would that have been? 2016. And yeah, mm-hmm. like seeing her there, out of it and then knowing that this person who was so out of it came back to the top is obviously a very personal memory to me but like knowing that Mm. the sport didn't have her and it was not a sure thing that she was coming back at that point at all but to know that she came back and then not only came back but then became the best is crazy and and that's it just like that sort of summiting is that's like a big picture moment that i have i'm sure there's smaller ash moments as well and just sort of Ashisms, like I love, I love when actually speak of Osaka, when she was going to play. Actually, no, she has played Osaka more than once because she played her Australian Open, twenty eighteen, I think, in the fourth round, oh. the third round, third round maybe. Okay. And she was talk- she was asked about Osaka, and she said, "Oh yeah, she's a great chick who can certainly give it a rip," <laughs> which I loved. <laughs> a great chick who can certainly <laughs> well, give it a rip. That's one of the things that she always said stuff that I never understood which which I always like had to go to the transcript and then like google the thing or like ask Trelope or somebody like what did she mean by saying that so I always love the stuff that she was saying I don't know I I have to think a lot about this because yeah we obviously spent a lot of time speaking with her in the last few years but one of the one of the things I remember is that like in the Australian open players restaurant one time I was sitting with Ons and she came and, and started messing around with Ons and stuff and how chilled she was. And I'm like, how is she so relaxed at her home slam? Mm-hmm. Like just so chill, like, literally just she I think she was saying like she remembered playing doubles with Ons when they were kids or something. I don't remember. She was but anyway, she was messing around and just how relaxed she was. And I remember that was so awesome. One of the funny ones was in Shenzhen. Um, it was late after because the matches there i think if i remember correctly they were late and it was after a match that she had won in the round robin or something and then she had to go and change and like put on something nice for a quick photo shoot with the year-end number one ranking or something Mm -hmm. and and just knowing ash and how she does not care about any of these like photo shoots and all these things and like you know, I was. Like, she had her heels on and her red romper, and she's like, "Yeah." And it was so late, <laughs> and I remember we were all just watching her t- take that picture, and she so didn't want to be there. But yeah, she was a very kind of such a relaxed world number one, and such a relaxed like kind of 
like she's so boss on the court and then off the court you won't even know that she's world number one that's one of those things yeah I don't know. no absolutely her ability to sort of stay normal and to just sort of really enjoy like one of the constant sites on tour especially australia maybe especially when they had the equipment more handled around but other places too just seeing her and her team like playing cricket at various odd spots they could find around the grounds of tennis tournaments like <laughs> yeah. the hours before uh before matches so there's this sort of like this way of just trying to really keep it of really it seemed effortless but i know it was effortful of trying to make it fun and trying to keep things yeah, light and true. trying to keep things normal and not letting all these stresses and you know even potentially things that just sort of increase your ego or arrogance or whatever not letting those things go to her head the good and the bad didn't go to her head at least from what we saw and, and that's something that was not easy. And this is, this is, again, not an easy sport. Ash might have made it look easy on the scoreboard at the Australian Open, but it's absolutely so hard to win Grand Slams and to win two of the last three Grand Slams. And, and this is incredible accomplishment. She knows how much went into it. And if she doesn't think she has that much left in her for the sport and to play it at that level, then only she knows that. That's up to her. And yeah, going to miss her. But uh, heck of a heck of a player. See her at her. Her Hall of Fame induction ceremony, if not sooner. Yeah, what you said. <laughs> With that, Reem, thank you for staying up and processing our feelings here in this flash reaction episode. I uh, very much appreciate it. And yeah, I, hope- I don't know how much sense I made at this point in time, and I'm still processing. But uh, yeah, we're gonna find out more from her as well tomorrow. She has a press conference tomorrow, so which is probably why that video with. Casey was kind of short because she knows that so many she's going to get so many questions. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, definitely we will see, and we'll see what she says, what people ask, and if anything more becomes clear, we'll certainly talk about this, and we'll talk about people's reactions to it as well. That'll be the big story in Miami here. And yeah, have a uh, here's to Ash. Have a good one, Ash. Uh, and uh, I'm sure the beers are beers are flowing in, in Shea Barty as they tend to do in these sort of moments. <laughs> And yeah, Reem, thank you very much for for being on here. Thank you. And let me actually here briefly thank our Patreon backers, who I love thanking every episode on the show, our Slam Champ level backers who support the show so loyally. And they are Antonio Maycumber, Sean Mulroy, Leah Williams, Susanna W., Ashley Keel, Mary Carrillo, James Hindle, Anna Valinder, Jonathan Weinbaum, Timothy Liu, and Jean Simeon, and our GOAT backers, Pam Shriver and J.O.D. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, Reem. Bye, folks. <laughs>